When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw. That would be your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And we've got the treat of treats. When you talk about great families in wrestling history, one of the greatest names in wrestling history for almost 100 years. We have got one of the gentlemen that is a part of that dynasty and a big part, Mr. David Crockett. David, welcome to the show. God, thank you so much, Jerry. It's it's good to see you and talk to you. I, I mean, really, God, I was getting a little deep in here when you talk about me. But oh, hey, oh man, <laughs> David, it is so good. We go, we go so far back. I mean, you know, over fifty years. You realize that we we've been we've been friends for over fifty years. I, I drove yeah. into that uh, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, and old beat up. Uh, 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 Pontiac Grand Prix with the vinyl top. While I was driving out there to Charlotte, my brother owned a body shop down in Denton, Texas, and it's yeah. Texas, Texas work, but he put one of those vinyl tops on my God on bless my, Texas. God bless my, Texas <laughs> on my Grand Prix. So I looked like I was, I had some money, you know, driving in there. About 15 miles out of Oklahoma, I'm going through a windstorm. All of a sudden, I hear this rip. And all of a sudden, back in the rearview mirror, I see this panel flapping in the breeze. My damn uh, uh, vinyl roof that my brother just put on had blown off through in this damn storm. So now I had to stop, uh, get find me a canopy under this storm and rip. I had to rip my damn vinyl top off. I was so pissed off. My brother had big ink spots on it where, the, where, the, where it hadn't dried yet or uh, glue spots on there. So I drove to Carolina and I don't beat up a Grand Prix there. And man, did you guys ever change my life down there? And I've, I've, your your dad is, goes down and, and in my books and one of the greatest guys I ever had any association with. And your entire family, your mom over there in my kitchen. I still have a recipe, David, that has handwritten Mrs. Crockett's homemade coconut cake. Remember? All right. It was a three-day yeah. process. I used to go over Sunday dinners at your house. You remember with with yeah. with, with you and uh, and the brothers and, and and I really liked that coconut cake. She sat down one afternoon and wrote me out, hand wrote that recipe. I still got it. One of my wife's recipe books over there in the calendar. There. Well, you know, you think about that. At that time, we didn't wrestle on Sunday. No, yeah, no, we're that off that three. I could come to Sunday yeah. dinner at the Crockett's. Man. That's right. Yeah, or that go out to the river. You know, to the lake house out there, but yeah. yeah, I mean, Lord, that that was that was a fun time. But, was, I think, Mr. Briscoe, uh, Mr. Crockett Senior must have known you pretty well because he wouldn't let David Crockett move in with you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lived in it. it wasn't me. I think it was the atmosphere. It was the environment of those apartments I chose to move in. No, because- no. From what I heard, he said you cannot move in with Gerald Briscoe. 
Well, I don't know. Uh, David, uh, help me out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know. I, matter of fact, I think it was wrestling. I was wrestling at that time, or, or getting ready to. Uh, he wanted somebody in the family to, you know, know a little about a bit about wrestling, and uh, you know, yeah, I, I got my ass kicked quite a few times. Come to think of it, David <laughs> Finley. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, damn. I, I, I was I was stretched quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, the apartments there. How many guys were there? Did, oh, there was were a bunch of us living over there. And uh, you got you got a picture of Charlotte fifty years ago at the time, right, Dave? There weren't a yeah. lot of apartment building out there. I mean, you no. know, and this was in a section of town that was just being built up, and it was it was it was a party apartment. So I'd, I'd lived in, and you can help me out with this. What was the old Tyron Hotel or some downtown there, or where yeah. those guys used to stay at? Uh, someone used to stay at the Mecklenburg Hotel. Mecklenburg, yeah. Mecklenburg. It was like five dollars a night, John. So you can imagine <laughs> the, the quality of the hotel. Yeah. And you know, I, I just got out of school, man, and I, you know, man, I, I want to live someplace where there's there's young people. I mean, that that Mecklenburg is all the old timers. Yeah. So uh, me, and, me and a couple of Crockett brothers, we went out looking for apartments. We found this lake apartment, brand new complex. Had this lake that was uh, uh, a swimming pool Gorgeous. that was like second to none. It was the biggest swimming pool in Charlotte at the time. Uh, that's where I'm going to live. They had a gym in there. They had a, all the modern conveniences that these apartments have today. Yeah, so, big lake had a big lake there, and yeah, this big fountain coming out of it, changed yeah. colors, all this stuff. That's where. That's where I got the idea for my music lights. And David saw my music lights in my apartment a few times. Yeah. If yeah. you remember. <laughs> well, <laughs> remember, disco, the memory's a different lights. story. Now, trying to remember some of those times. Lord. You know, that's when, what, Boone's Farm and Appleberry, want, want, oh, that stuff is nasty. Strawberry Hill, man. Yeah. Oh, man, a lot. <laughs> we wouldn't buy it by the bottle job. We bought it by the case. Yep. <laughs> so Jerry, and we really haven't noticed before. You had a disco lights in your apartment. Yeah. Oh. Oh, you should have seen dance. <laughs> you haven't seen you. Oh. Now that is something. That would be a classic. You know, uh, that Jerry's out there, you know, doing the disco. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All of I too. You know, it's amazing what alcohol does to us. Yeah, so so <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute. Mr. Crockett would not let David live with you, correct? He no. wouldn't let David get an apartment here in my hand, the same same complex I got. What what happened to me? Yeah, uh oh. You went you went there you go. There we go. No, no, you uh, like like we said, nothing like getting old men all the damn uh, conference. Yeah, yeah, I thought maybe you didn't pay your power bill or something. You know? Well, then well I, I've been waiting on my payoff, my last payoff from the Crockett family. So. <laughs> oh, you do. Talking about getting heat on John too. There, I will put the heat on John. I brought that up because John can jump in there. <laughs> John, tell the story here. I'll I'll send a bill, Mister. <laughs> So anyway, I moved into these swanky apartments, which I thought was swanky coming from Oklahoma as long as it had a kitchen and, and indoor plumbing. It was swanky. You know? Oh, that, I listened to Lake Apartments and it was top dollar at that time. It really was. You know, it was, like you said, it was brand new. And the best thing about it was the hottest club in town 
was within walking distance. Yeah. So yeah. you didn't have to drive. You could always exactly. walk back to your apartment. There you got a little bit of my thinking there, John. I was being safe at that time. I didn't want to drink and drive, so I just moved within walking I never distance. said you weren't smart, Mr. Briscoe. I said <laughs> you were crazy. Well, uh, that, that, too. But anyway, David, David, uh, Mr. Crockett wanted one of his boys to get into business so they could experience it in the ring. So, That's right. And I was the only one that was not married at that time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Jackie was married, uh, Jimmy was married, and I just was the only smart one, you know, because <laughs> because I'm still married to the lady that, you know, Jimmy and Jackie both were divorced, you know, what, twice? I think it is, both of them. But, and, and Francis. That we know of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Fran. oh, well, that's talking about kids there. Jack, Jackie is, well, never mind about Jackie. But <laughs> we'll skip that. But, you know, uh, yeah, I was the only one. Uh, matter of fact, October, we will celebrate our 50th anniversary. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, not many of us can say that. No. Wow. And for her to put up with me. Yeah, Lord. for her to put up all those years. So anyway, he well, was. Well, wait, both, both you guys, guys know the traveling that we did, you know, and, you know, it's. You're always gone, even though, you know, even though that, okay, you know, you come back that night, but, you know, you're coming back at two and three o'clock in the morning. Uh, you leave at uh, one or two o'clock in the afternoon. You might have to go to Richmond, Norfolk, um, Roanoke with Pete Apostolou or <laughs> Charleston, Henry Marcus. Oh, in deep pockets. <laughs> yeah. Or the Murdochs up in Raleigh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, what a cast of characters uh, your dad had working for. But anyway, so so Dave was uh, going to be uh, broke into business so he could kind of learn the, the inside of the business from inside the ring there. And so uh, they got broke in, but he was looking for a place to stay. So and the, the, the Jim Crockett Sr. was a very wise man. So uh, he had heard about <laughs> he had heard about the apartments I moved in. It was a little, little, little wild and fast. With the Carolina Bible Belt with the disco lights and everything. So David David said, I'm gonna move in out there with Briscoe. No, you're not. Yeah, you're not moving in there. I'll fire you, but I'm your son. You know, I'll still fire you. <laughs> That's right. So needless to say, he got he got he got one of those swanky tower apartments downtown somewhere like that. <laughs> yeah, well, believe it or not, uh well, let's see, where did I? Uh for a long time I didn't get one. Then finally. Yeah, believe it or not, it was a small apartment. I had four other guys in there with me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. That was so, something else. So uh, anyway, so uh, we were rolling along. So uh, so uh, yeah, I had but David, David, and and, and Jimmy and Jackie would all we'd all jump in and you know, that old Pontiac. Sometimes we'd make the road trips and the questions asked. I mean, they, these kids they really wanted to know the business. Their dad knew the business from a business standpoint and was was still to my to this day in my estimation one of the greatest promoters that ever ever uh, wrote down a name and, and a booking book. But uh, what what a great time we had back in those days, man. We, we oh, had it was fun. Great time. And the cast of characters around us, you know, the Skull Murphys, the Brute Bernard. I mean. You, you can go back, David. Who who some of the first wrestlers you remember in in a business? Uh, the French Angel, George, George, 
Yeah. Gorgeous George. Uh, then, well, of course, uh, George Becker and Bobby Becker. Uh, then, uh, uh, well, uh, yeah, Gorgeous George. Or I never knew else. Bobby Becker. Yeah, well, he died early in yeah. life. Uh, yeah, George and Bobby were a tag team. Then, then when Bobby passed away, Johnny Weaver sort of came in. And then George, because George for so many years was the booker. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, so that's why it became such a tag team territory because. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask yeah. you, that was going to be my next question. Why, why, why do you think that out of all the territories, Carolina was, was known to be a, a tag team territory? Uh, how, well, how did your dad plan that? Was it through George and Bobby? Well, it was, yeah, it's, you know, well, let's back up a little bit that, you know, he started in Bristol. Virginia, Tennessee, and 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 with boxing, he uh, he was doing boxing. Ran into the boxing wrestling. Then he started promoting wrestling, and really wanted to live in Greensboro. That's where he and mom wanted to live, but Charlotte and Mecklenburg County required the promoter to live in Mecklenburg County to promote boxing and wrestling. So that's why they ended up here, you know, in Charlotte. But man, a lot. The uh, you know, and two, you know, Johnny Heideman. I don't know if you, you remember Johnny him. Heideman and mine. One was Johnny's partner, Frank Marconi. Heideman. Yeah, and and, and uh, George Tuton Harris. George. Uh, yeah, and, and you know uh, the Bolos, some of the most famous hill oh. tag team, the Bolos, the Assassins. Yeah. Wow, right there yeah. out of Carolina, they were they were established. That's where they were established was the Carolina. And also, right. that's where the big lawsuit took place over, over the, the probably one of the first big lawsuits, John, in our business took place there in, in Carolina with, with uh, who was it, Jody and Tom? Was it Jody or Sasson at the time, or was it Al Lovelock? Uh, uh, you're talking about the IWA and... Uh, no, I'm talking uh, about when 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 uh, when, uh, Bo, when uh, Al Lovelock sued, uh, I think he sued your dad and uh, Tom Renesso for infringement wearing a mask, uh, assassin mask. Yeah, but well, it didn't stop him. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> he sued him for wearing his gimmick. Yeah, wearing his well, gimmick because they were well, tag team partners somewhere else. Go ahead, Jackie or uh, David. I think that uh, Tom came to us from California, and as as he would say later, that he came on a bus and left in a Cadillac. And but the, his persona with that mask on was very evil. Oh, yeah, evil. evil. And he always talked above everyone. He had yeah. the perfect diction, and the, the and even though you couldn't see his face, the eye contact, the camera loved his expressions and loved. His pitch and tone. Now this is just, a guy in a mask, and they're loving his yeah. expressions, John. And this is—he got those expressions through his eyes and through his the shape of his mouth, right? Right. Yes, that is correct. And then you know, uh, later you add Jody Hamilton as one of the assassins in the Infernos, and and yet J.C. D- Dykes was J. the manager. Dykes, yeah. Yeah. General Homer Odell was wow. wow. Uh, it did take hours to discuss and, and break down Homer Odell. <laughs> Oh, man, it sure would. And I think he visited every jail in North, South Carolina, and Virginia. <laughs> Why? Why? Homer Homer was a big mouth 
He didn't know, well, he didn't know when to keep his mouth shut. Plus, he always drank. Yeah. And, and, and oh, the abuse of the abusive, the language that he would come out and just people. And he he had this way of spitting as he talked to people on purpose, of course. Yeah, and he just as he's talking, he's just spinning all over. Yeah, and and oh, just pissing everybody off. But yeah, uh, Homer, you know, Homer was Homer. And I think uh, at one point, I think he was driving a cab. <laughs> wow. You mentioned uh, one guy showing up in a bus, leaving in a Cadillac. Uh, Carolina was always known for good paydays. Was your dad known as well for good paydays? Because everything I've seen on your dad on the internet, when I was reading about it today, trying to get ready for the show is, how much respect people had for your father. It's just, it's amazing. There's, you know, it's, it's hard on the internet not to find something bad about somebody. There's nothing bad about your dad. It's all very positive. He, he had good payoffs. He definitely had good pay. Matter of fact, for the big shows, he would overpay. He said, you know, that, you know, uh, it was, you needed, you just needed to do that because, you know, it, uh, you know, you look at, at the, let's call it the preliminary guys that, you know, it's their job to get the crowd going. You know, it's, it's a group project there. You know, if, if the preliminary mid card matches are horrible, you know, uh, it's harder for the main events to, to get the crowd going. So yeah, he did, he did well. And there were a lot of wrestlers very loyal to him. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Johnny Heideman, uh, mentioned to me one time we were riding and he was talking about jungle boy was a, a wrestler that came in. He had this big furry hair and, and he had the, the bone in the nose and so forth, but he would, you know, Johnny was the, let's call it the weak sister. It was tag team. You know, so and they don't beat jungle boy. They beat Johnny. And, Guys were sort of they, you know, pushing Johnny to go back and, and bitch to Dad, and so he did. And then Dad said, and Johnny was telling me, he said, Dad said, "All right, Johnny, I want you to do something tomorrow. I want you to come in here early, and I want you to go in that closet right there, and I want you to stay in there until I tell you to come out." And they sort of made it known that Johnny was quitting he was pissed off about you know being the weak sister in, in the jungle boy thing and all these guys came in the next day wanting johnny's position the same guys that were egging him on to bitch about the pay and being the job guy they wanted his job and so after they all left and he said all right johnny come out and he said i rest my case <laughs> and you know and and johnny went Ah, I understand. So, you know, Wally Ducey. Now, you know, another guy, Wally Ducey. Now, Wally was one. Of, now, he was a shooter. Matter of fact, a he wrestled. Ducey brother badass. Yeah, he wrestled. Matter of fact, he started wrestling carnivals up 10 years ago. And, you know, being the, the t you come out and, you know, beat me in five minutes or whatever. And, and yeah, that's why he had that thumb all twisted back. But yeah, and uh, what a gentleman too. How was nice. Gordon George? You say he brought in Gordon George. Did he come in very often? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I mean, you know, uh, there's only so much you can do with Gordon George, you know, because he was such a, and he was a singles. 
So he was singles. He had he has his valet, and he had the bug sprayer pumping the perfume. And then the uh, golden bobby pins, you know, he he throw out. Yeah, I hated him as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> did I was he have as much heat there in uh, Carolinas as he did out in Los Angeles? Oh yes, yes. People hated. Him. I mean, he would. Anyway, you know, I look at Ric Flair. And there's some of Gorgeous George and his, some of his struts and robes. Right. You know, it really, it's there. You, know, you, you, but, you mentioned you hated Gorgeous George. I, I know uh, as a youth, how familiar was, was you and you, did your dad make you guys of the business? Were you guys always around the business? Were you uh, smartened up, as they say, to the business? And, and, and how? He never smartened us up. Never, ever. It was... When I started, uh, when, uh, and matter of fact, he didn't ask me to uh, wrestle. He had Rip Hawk ask me. And it was, there's an easy way and a hard way in wrestling. And we'd rather do it the easy way. And that was it. I mean, I took tickets. I sold programs. I set up wrestling rings. You name it, and I did it, but I was never allowed in the dressing room while he was alive. None of us were. None of us. I mean, that's how that's how protective he was of the business. You know, the, the kayfabe was kayfabe, and you know he. Mm-mm. Well, I do. Yeah. I do know on Sundays when I was uh, invited to come out to to Sunday dinner dinner that you know uh, Rip Hawk would be there or Thunderbolt Patterson would be there. And, and did you notice back in those days when your dad and your mom would would open their their doors up that you know these guys that supposedly hated each other were sitting down at a cordial Sunday dinner, right? And yeah, and and it was sort of like you know what they say about Las Vegas. What happens here stays here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was very adamant about that. He right. just said, you know, because, you know, shoot, Mr. Moto, I'm telling you, Mr. Right. Moto, I think he had seven kids and uh, Mr. Moto and P.Y. Chone, and they came out there a lot to the, the, the river place. And I remember him teaching his kids to swim. He'd just take them, throw them in the water and said, swim. Yeah. And you're going, oh, shit. You know, these kids can't swim, and all of a sudden, you know, they're dog paddling or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, he never, never, ever smarted us up. You know, it was, you know, and you look at it, and come on. You know, it's it's hard on the body. I mean, you know, it's it was, and people that are watching this, you know, uh, you know, people call it fake. There's, there's, you know. It's not fake. When you slam somebody, you slam somebody on the mat. You try to position yourself that you can spread your weight out and cushion the blow. But, hey, you're being dropped from four feet or, you know, can you imagine off the top turnbuckle landing? You know, Jerry, you know, John, you know, it's, you know, it's, it takes a toll. It takes a toll on your body. And, uh, uh, I know that I, you know, you know, uh, they talk about, you know, people 
you know, hitting or, you know, you really slap. Nah, you know, I, you know, I've been, you know, I've been uh, accused of uh, being a little snug. Uh, but really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I took after you. Yeah, yeah, you had a good, you had, you had a good role model there. Yeah, hey, I tell you what, John, Jack and Jerry, you, you know, you watch them and they get that gleam in their eye, and you go, "Oh shit!" You know, they're <laughs> going to stretch somebody. I don't know who's going, who it's going to be, but I'm going to vacate right now because I don't want it to be me. I mean, anybody that knows the Briscoes knows that gleam. Oh, anybody light light up like a Christmas tree. Oh my God. Oh, oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Tie you in the house. Yeah. They just get very happy. Jerry kind of gets sideways a little bit and starts coming toward you. And this is either in the ring or in the in the after after uh, the hours in the bar. Right. Yeah. It could be anywhere. But when you see that gleam, you know that it's it's time to leave. Those poor marks! Oh, how stupid they were! You know, hey, David, I got, I got, I got marks. Wait a minute! I I saw that gleam get in his eye one time on Jerry's 60th birthday in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it was poor Eric Bischoff. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love he drug Eric really? Bischoff all over a bar. They were both in their suits, and the place was packed. And he drug Bischoff all over this bar in Tulsa, Oklahoma, on his 60th birthday. And Bischoff really? tapped, and that's where the phrase "tap like you mean it" comes out because Briscoe wouldn't let him tap lightly. He didn't like the way he tapped. <laughs> Damn, I, I like that. I like that. I'm gonna have to mention it. I'm supposed to uh, be at uh, Conrad Thompson's event later in June, uh, Boys Weekend or something, Guys Weekend, and Eric is supposed to be there. Oh. Bischoff. Eric's so, the best. I, and what happened was, is me and John Cena and Bruce Pritchard had talked Bischoff into a shoot with Jerry. And finally, Bischoff realizes he's backed in a corner. And to his credit, he tried to leg dive Jerry. <laughs> so, <'cause> he, realized, <laughs> he realized he's got no chance at this point. <laughs> well, now, Eric, you know, always he always said that he was such a, a good uh, karate uh, person. I guess that didn't work, you know, right? No, sir. And let's let's jump off of me and let's go back. Let's go back to your dad. <laughs> because your, your dad your dad was so special. But one of the one of the most fascinating and funny stories I ever heard is a lot of promoters back in the old days would bring bears in, bring different animals into the territory. Your dad refused to bring a bear in. And why is that? Do you, do you remember that story that I'm getting to? Well, because he brought it one time. He brought, he brought it, one it one time at a TV studio, right? And a bear right, broke WB, out. WB you, you, you want to tell John that story or listeners that story? It's great. Uh, yeah, uh, he brought a bear, and the bear got in the ring, and I forget who he was wrestling. But I think it was Johnny Holloman, from what I remember. Might have been, so. yeah, and, and bit, his, bit his little finger off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the bear, sort of the trainer or the – Person was supposed to take care of the bear. Uh, the bear knocked him down and started out the ring. Well, I have never, and I was there with, with believe it or not, I was a Cub Scout at that time. <laughs> and I was there at the Cub Scout, and we're trying to scramble, but I'm watching yeah. Dad because he always sat in the corner in the right. studio. He was the first one out, out the studio. I yeah. mean, I have never <laughs> seen him move that fast in my life. 
Now, John, uh, uh, Mr. Crockett is, is a very large man, over 300 yeah. pounds plus. Here, yes. here, 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 here's like I was to told to me, embellish, 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 and David can kind of get the embellishment out. But, you know, he always brought in uh, the, the rushing bear. Well, Mr. Crockett, like David said, sat right back by the, where the guys come in and out, off to the side in a chair. He sat there the entire show. So the bear goes out and he's having this match. And I think it's John Hanneman. He then bear yeah. gets through the muzzle. Johnny gets his finger stuck in the muzzle. And the bear just snips it off, kind of spits it out. Then he sees, then he wants a treat now. So because when he does, bear does something, the trainer would always give him a treat. Well, Mr. Crockett is sitting back there and there's a trail of treats. So the bear jumps out of the ring wanting this treat and, and the trainer turns and when he turns trainer turns the bear sees mr crockett sitting back there in the back and he sees a light and he he takes off towards towards the exit there well, mr crockett of course takes that damn big ass bear coming he gets up and all 400 pounds of them is running out of the arena running oh, out yes. of the tv this is live tv going on yeah. live tv <laughs> yeah yes. back in those days of live tv <laughs> the bear bit off a man's finger on live tv live tv oh, man. yeah <laughs> And he chased Mr. Crockett out to out the damn arena. And right then and there, there was never another bear in the, in the Carolinas. That's right. <laughs> it was crazy. So if the bear would have got out the door, he'd have been loose. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Still had, the, still had the chain on, you know, in the collar. But, yeah, he was loose. He was loose. <laughs> but where they did those TV studios was the woods. There's probably a lot of bears out in those damn woods, too. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. But yeah. So yeah, uh, you know, besides, you know, you know, Dad also promoted, you know, the Harlem Globetrotters. We had 72 dates a year on those. Did, 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 you, did you guys almost purchase the Globetrotters at one time because you had such a good relationship with them? No, they they wanted us to promote for them everywhere. And on. yeah, and just couldn't do it. But then, you know, he and Abe Saperstein, now think about this. They had a handshake deal as far as uh, what the deal was going to be. No paper, a handshake, and each other's word. Do you think you can do that today? Hmm. You know, no uh, yeah. Nope. And back then, back then a, a person's word meant an awful lot. You know, uh, in wrestling and entertainment business, you know, it's... It just was. Well, you know, your, your dad ever did everything by a handshake. And, and you, yeah. you could look in the man's eyes and you knew that handshake was good. I, I mean, the respect that, that, that your, your father had was, I mean, you go through this business and we were both fortunate where we're both still around, but we've both known a lot of different promoters in this business. There are very, very few, you can count on three or four fingers, the guys, the amount of guys that had the respect that your dad did. And, yeah, that you know, it's it's true. I you know, and I I tried to carry it over. You know, when, when Turner brought us, yeah. you know, uh, man, that was a buzzsaw. Well, you guys but, did, you did get, it. and that, that was the thing. Your dad was so respected and so uh, uh, so well received by everybody. He passed he passed that on to all three. You got, I mean. And you got three brothers, Jimmy, David, and Jackie. And and I, you know, through all this business, 
I've known a lot of different families that's been in this business, but I've never known a family that had overall respect. Even your sister Frances was was highly respected in this. Yeah. Business. Now Frances, Frances, you know, she had the ball club, right. uh, the baseball team, uh, the Charlotte O's, a double A team. Several years, she was voted by Sports Illustrated as right. minor league manager of the year. Right. And Tell us a little bit about how, how did that baseball organization start, and then how did you guys get into the minor league ball? Uh, it was Bob Quincy, who used to be the sports editor of the Charlotte Observer. At that time, uh, there was a lot of uh, discussion that Charlotte was not a sports city town, whatever you want to call it. And we had a wrestling match at the Coliseum and Bob Quincy showed up uh, one night and when we were there and we were settling up and he came in and they just started, you know, talking about it. And he said, what do you think about sports in Charlotte? Do, do you think that uh, they're right that Charlotte's not a sports town? And we said, hell no, both Jimmy and I at the same time. Said so, no. If you present it the right way, you know the the people are, are going to come. And he said, "Well, he he hooked us. He already knew what he was going to do." And he said, "Well, prove it." And we looked at each other. Said, "What? What? what we're doing wrestling?" You know. And he said, "Well, you know, with the Harm Globetrotters, that's entertainment and some other stuff." And he said, "No, uh, you know the what about you know baseball?" You know, we looked at each other and we said. I don't know anything about baseball. <laughs> you know, Jimmy didn't either, but, you know, he said, yeah, it, it'd draw. And he said, well, guess what? The Minnesota Twins, wants to, they want to sell the ballpark. They had a ballpark here in Charlotte that was built in the 20s, and they wanted to sell. And then the baseball team, the double-A baseball team in Asheville at the time was for sale. So Jimmy and I looked at each other and said, damn, he already he knew what he was going to do to us. <laughs> so we said, okay, if the deal is right and you know the the things work out for it, then yeah, we could do it. And so uh it was my job to get the ball team here in Charlotte to renovate the ballpark. And that was one hell of a job to do. Matter of fact, the first year. I had Eddie Murray, who's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. He was with us half a season and uh, had a great time. I mean, really, uh, at the ballpark, uh, you know, and then at that same time, uh, we knew that we were going to have to start producing our own television. So I did it for one year, and then Francis started, took it over, and then I created our television production uh, as far as we bought a uh, TV truck from uh, Evangelist down in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, ripped everything out of the truck and put new tape machines and stuff in. We started producing our own wrestling shows and doing interviews there at Briar Bend, you know, uh, on Wednesdays and ship the shows out by Thursday and Boom, they'd be, we had 82 stations we syndicated wow. to, you know, and that was before Turner, you know, so yeah. Hey, 80, 82 stations, these are all syndicated with, with, uh, what, 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 JCP at the time, right? 
Right. Yeah, but it was you know the show Mid Atlantic Championship yeah. Wrestling was one worldwide wrestling was another. Right. We had two shows we bicycle around, yeah. and a lot of the stations were not places that we would go. It was the uh, the production uh, manager or the program manager at the station saw wrestling uh, would would get the ratings and they'd put it before the local news. Well, if you dominate the hour then that audience carries over into your local news. And that's what they were looking at to win, you know, the hour of the local news, you know, against the other stations that they had at the time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we just said, you know, you pay shipping in and out and we'll send you a tape. It was basically just a general tape. You know, it had general interviews in it, but you know, it's, you never know when, you know, program manager might come back in your area. So and how yeah, I was saying about it, a lot, lot of guys traveled back and forth there. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. How did you do with the baseball team? We did very well. I mean, as far as until the ballpark burned down, some kids, you know, set it on fire. Uh, but then George Shen had come into Charlotte and he had the basketball team, Charlotte Hornets. And he wanted to be the sports guru. And when the ballpark burned down, we were going to build the ballpark back. But then the city sort of stepped in and said, no, you have to build a parking deck, you know, a three-story parking deck. Well, we didn't do that. I mean, at that time, it was surface parking, and there was sort of warehousing around us in that area. And so people just parked, you know, their games were at night or weekends, and warehouses just weren't open at that time. So it's just surface parking everywhere. And then we made a deal with the mayor and the governor of South Carolina, the mayor of Chester, South Carolina, that we were going to move the team there for one year while we built a ballpark at Carowinds uh, with uh, land on land of that Crescent Land Timberhead, which was Duke Power, and uh, it would be in a uh, half of it would be in South Carolina and half of it would be in North Carolina because of beer. You could sell beer on Sundays in North Carolina. You could not in South Carolina at that time. But the city stopped us on that too. So, so we sold the team, which you know, it's it's a shame. It was um, my kids sort of grew up out there. Uh, Francis's kids definitely did. She had five kids. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a family affair. Yeah. So speaking, to speak. speaking of, of the range of promotions with baseball and everything, you're doing the Harlem Globetrotters and, and, and entertainers. Who, who were some of the famous entertainers? I know the list, but some of that your, that your uh, dad well, promoted back at that time. It was a who's who of entertainment. I know that. Right. He promoted, you know, let's start with the big bands, Tommy Dorsey, Glenn Miller, all that. Uh, then boxing, Joe Lewis, Jack Dempsey coming through North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, uh, and the Dick Clark Caravan of Stars, you know, Dion Warwick, uh, Johnny Mathis, Henry Mancini, uh, Andy Williams, Frank Sinatra. I mean, it just goes on. Your, your and on. family had a really good close relationship, I remember, with Andy Williams, too, for them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, you know, some of the, the, the basketball, 
it, it went up and down the East Coast. And in a lot of cases, we, we used wrestling promoters in the different areas to sort of head some of that up with it. the wards down in Georgia, you know, in, in you know, in uh, Macon, Georgia, and they, in Augusta, you know, that, you know, you, uh, Augusta were, that was a Sunday show, Sunday afternoon show right there. So, yeah. And then we had ice capades. We did that. Uh, we got out of the entertainment portion of it when hard rock came in and all of the drugs and everything and uh, the entertainers were asking for a certain year vintage of wine and certain color of m&ms and pinball machines <laughs> we said forget that yeah. you know it, it's we don't we don't need that and two i remember uh it was Who was it? all right? Uh, Georgia on my mind. That was Ray Charles. Said, Ray Charles. He came in and he was so drugged. I mean, we had a sold out show, sold out show, and and you know, I was and I was in the crowd. I was you know, I was looking forward to, it. and you could see them sort of have on either side of Ray Charles holding him up, taking him in the dressing room. Dead went in there and he canceled the show. Here was a sellout show, but the guy was so stoned. Wow. You know, he said, no way. So uh, he, he made him uh, come back at a later date. You know, he just, he said, I live here. He doesn't. And damn it. You know, it's my reputation. You know, so that's, you know, that's what, you know, the good thing about him, you know, it's, you don't, uh, he had principles. Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, boxing and the Harlem Globetrotters. Uh, Vince McMahon's grandfather, uh, Jess McMahon, I guess, promoted the Jack Dempsey, Jack Johnson fight down in Cuba. So you guys both promoted some of the same people, your, your father and, and Vince's, uh, I guess, grandfather, and maybe his father too. Was there a bit, was there, what was, was there a relationship between, the two, was it acrimonious? Was it good? Was it bad? Was oh, it was it very good. Very uh, Vince Sr. Uh, and my father were wonderful friends. NWA conventions. Vince went to them. You know, uh, so, uh, yeah. I mean, they, uh, it was very cultural. Uh, cult, cordial. You know, I remember uh, uh being called from a promoter in Washington, D.C., wanted talent from us. And I asked Dad, and Dad said, call Vince. So I called Vince, gave him the guy's name, and he said, I'll take care of it. I said, okay. You know, because Washington was not our area. You know, we stopped there at the river, so to speak. So, yeah. Matter of fact, Gary Jester, one thing, he did that later on, and yeah, he you know he didn't didn't want to expand, you know. So you were the one territory. It always seemed like that that had a chance to to go against the expansion. You guys were starting the Starcade. You guys had the pay per views. Was the talk not there from your brother either that he didn't want to expand, or what was the talk during that time when you guys are promoting Starcade, <laughs> Vince is promoting WrestleMania, and it looks like this war between the two is kind of brewing. Well. Wow. And- 
And it was. And, and the thing is, we were very reluctant about it. We didn't want to work every single day and go God knows where. Uh, and But, you know, you, you had to do it to survive. You know, the thing with what's with TBS, you know, and and Vincent, matter of fact, you know, with, you know, Vincent, Ted did not get along. Mm-hmm. Right. Jerry, they did not get along, man. And so it was we were approached to sort of save a lawsuit, you know, from Vince and Ted suing each other and nobody wins there. So uh, and we saw TBS is sort of helping us. uh defend ourselves again and then trying to help the other promoters see if we if we had of just taking care of of our area and we didn't need to go to the Meadowlands. we didn't need to go to Hershey Pennsylvania and help Bob Backlund or uh Mushnick or any of those guys, we just needed, you know, and all, you know, they wanted us to send talent, uh, bring their wrestlers on TBS and send, you know, interviews and all that, you know, and Jimmy and I, I totally disagreed. And so that, that became a big, uh, wedge between the two of us. Uh, it, it, you know, and, you know, that led to our, our downfall, the, the Bill Watts, you know, that, my suggestion was let Bill go belly up. And why should we take his on his expenses? We did not, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy and Dusty were so hot to try to go to Dallas, you know, the conquering son going to Dallas and Jimmy had a new wife and this was a way to, to start. And I said, you can't do this. This is not going to work. You cannot divide your company this way. It, it does not work. And then Bill Watts's debt, you know, uh, all of a sudden started to appear, paying all these stations, you know, uh, that he did not pay, so to speak. All those bills came due to us. That office building there in Dallas that he had the lease for, that we had to assume, uh, you know, and then you know that that Falcon jet, you know, that was. You know, and that really, you know, that really caused a, a lot of rift with the boys because, you know, who, who was going to be selected to ride on the jet? Right. You know, I said, I really don't give a rip about the jet. I'd rather do commercial because I get points. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, D- during know, this and- time, during this time, I mean, you know, the guys, the guys, the guys in the back that didn't have any, any stake in the territories. They were all saying, you know, Crockett's of all the territories, you guys were so solid and, and so solid in your reputation. And, and and the towns that you had were so successful from Richmond down to Savannah and every, every point in between. There was no need for the Crockett's to expand, right. but we all knew we all knew where that, that talk of expansion was coming from. Is from that Texas guy and 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 and, uh, and you you and your brother that uh, Jimmy, not so much, did not buy into all that stuff because you knew what you had there locally, and you knew if you took care of those, say, take care of what you got in your backyard, you won't right. have to worry about anything else. But yeah, that, the- that 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 vision kind of 
kind of went 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 out the window when when he started going to these places like Texas. Yeah, I mean, uh, just the cost of flights. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, the jet, but you know, you're flying commercial flights out there. Uh, it just, you know, um, we bought a G G one, which is a turboprop. It held sixteen passengers. That, in some ways, made sense uh, if you're going to expand. Effective range was five hundred miles. You could take a whole group, you know, all their stuff, drop them off. Let them wrestle for the week. Come back, pick them up. You know, you could just do that and and move around. Uh, and but going to St. Louis and and uh, Philadelphia, uh, you know, uh, it was like, uh, come on, you know, I yeah. Vince Vince. It didn't hurt Vince, you know, and no, uh, he he. He countered us, you know, it's, you know, it, he had, he had the stage at that time, you know, as far as nationally, you know, Cindy, you look at his first uh, WrestleMania, all the stars that he had, you know, so uh, it, yeah, he was getting the attention, but there again, too, with TBS and our stations, our ratings were fantastic at that time. We, you know, we, uh, it was, you know, it was unbelievable what we could do. And uh, we just, we basically destroyed ourselves. Really, egos got in the way of good business sense. That is the best thing to say, really. I I, I agree with you on that. Was going national necessary? You're you're saying it's not, but my, my question is, was it necessary to survival because of the way that TV was changing? You know, before USA Network, before TBS, before ESPN, you only had just your network television. You didn't have cable that was coast to coast. But now all of a sudden you have it. And so did that make it necessary to go national because of what TV (laughs) was changing? No, events made it necessary. <laughs> Come on. Oh. <laughs> you know, until he, you know, I can't hold anything against him. Come on. He went to East Carolina. He he <laughs> married a Carolina girl, you know. So, <laughs> hey, come on. I mean. Yeah. I, got, I got a question. So, so uh, Survivor Series. I've always heard in WWE that, that Survivor Series was to counter Starcade that was going to be on Thanksgiving. And I, that's what did I heard it from the WWE side. I want to hear it from your side. Was that well, what you did and, as well that Vince had kind of snuck one in there? Yep, he snuck it in there, and you know it, and it yeah it burned us, you know. And then you know we went back and did a two hour special on TBS, you know, and on top of one of his pay per views, and the cable systems uh, went nuts because we affected him, you know, as far as they said, the buy rate. And they, and they called Ted up and said, don't, you can't do that anymore. You know, so, you know, uh, we didn't, you know, so, uh, but we, you know, would we have, uh, what, gone to TBS? Mm, not necessarily. If, if, if it wasn't for Vince, we probably wouldn't have, you know, it's, we would, you know, the territory, most of the territories would have stayed the same, 
Oh, just, I think. Uh, uh, David, I want to throw this out there. You know, when when all this was taking place, of course, my brother and I made a sale. We yeah. we approached, you know, and and, and the bylaws of Georgia Championship Wrestling, you had to ask somebody inside the company if they were interested. We did that. And nobody then you had to ask an NWA member. It wasn't, but it had that uh, not an opposition. So we went. We went to Jimmy and and. Jimmy Flat told us, he said, I don't need TBS. I'm going to stay here locally. He said, I got my, my, got my territory here. It's not going to be affected by anything you guys are doing. So I'm turning down your, your offer there. So that, that was kind of the thing that you guys were looking at taking care of your, your, your territory there right. and yeah. not worried about anything. And then other influences come in. Oh, we got to go here. We got to do this. And then, and that, that might have been the biggest mistake, only mistake that, that the Crockett family made during their years of promotion was, was buying into that, that, that global expansion deal. Oh, yeah. See, yeah. That, yeah. If, if anything, if we'd stayed east of the Mississippi, you know, uh, we would have been fine. I mean, you, you know, you look at uh, the Fullers, you know, and the Jarrett's, uh, you know, in Tennessee and Alabama. They were, you know, they were strong, and and two those those cities or towns were not, let's say, big enough. I mean, on Vince's radar, to you know, they were not as big as they are today. Let's put it that way. Right. There are major cities today, just like Charlotte is a major city. Right. You know, uh, but back back then, you know, your biggest cities and the biggest population was sitting up north. Right. You know, and so, and Vince was looking at TV ratings. Even, you know, even Atlanta wasn't considered a major metropolitan uh, area at that time. It was still a, a growing city. Right. That's true. You know, and uh, yeah, I, it, hindsight's twenty twenty. And Well, I, well uh, uh, David, take us back to probably the most tragic day that, one of the most tragic days that, that was in, in the history of your territory. And of course, you were you were you were on a, the airplane ride to uh, to uh, over to where were it Wilmington or somewhere Wilmington. like that. Yeah, now, Wilmington. Tell us, tell, tell, set that up for us and kind of. Right. A lot of people don't remember that. And a lot of people sure had ever heard the story. All right. The it was a Sunday because Wilmington was in the summertime on a Sunday. Uh, we probably ran it maybe uh, once a month. Then and it was put on by the Wilmington uh, Soccer Association at the football stadium. Jimmy was supposed to be on that plane. Jimmy was sick. He asked me to to go. I said, "Okay, I'll go." I, you know, uh, Eddie Godwin was the promoter for the association down there. I figured I could get some seafood. You know, uh, well, <laughs> come on. You know. Yeah, come on. Yeah, well, there, there, yeah, there are other motives to go. Yeah, so uh, I said, sure. And so it was a Cessna 402 uh, Navajo. It was a six-passenger or six-person plane. He had the pilot, co-pilot behind him, and then it was pilot, Johnny Valentine, Tim Woods, Mr. Wrestling, Rick Flair, Bob Bruggers. Yeah, and I mentioned Tim Woods was in front of me. And so we we took off. 
Uh, it was a 45-minute flight, and the pilot, Eddie Fargus, I think that was his name, uh, who was a Vietnam vet helicopter pilot. I'd flown with Eddie a lot. Pardon? I had flown with Eddie a lot. He was, yeah, he was a Vietnam pilot. Yeah. So uh, he, uh, when we got close to Wilmington, say around Lumberton, North Carolina, Florence, uh, we one of the engines started uh, sputtering. So he feathered, I want to say, the right engine. There's a lot of this that I had a, a pretty horrible concussion, which some I don't remember, some I don't, so to speak, I've been told. All right, uh, which to this day, I don't know why we didn't land in Lumberton or Florence. Florence had a, uh, an airport. They had commercial traffic, so I don't know. So on, we went on the, the way down there, and as we were approaching, going over the Cape Fear River, the other engine started to sputter, and I'm going, oh, my God. You know, I was thinking of Gary Hart and the guys that crashed. You know, and and here my son Mark was two weeks old. You know, and, and I'm thinking about that, and so I'm I'm trying to, you know, I'm leaning forward in my seat, trying to. What was the pilot breathing. making? Was the pilot making announcements that we're in trouble? Or oh yeah, yeah. I mean, once that let that engine feathered on the right hand side, it was a very quiet plane, uh-huh. very quiet. I mean, no one. No one said a word. And when the left one over the uh, over the Cape Fear started, I mean, it just. And I was just hoping, you know, God, please don't crash in Cape Fear River, you know, because I've got all the beef in front of me, so to speak. Uh, and there's the door there. And that's that, there's no way I'll get that. Uh, there was a Bob Ruggers was right here. There was a luggage compartment door back there, and I said, maybe, just maybe, you know, I might do that. I mean, I'm just, and then I'm thinking, thinking, uh, well, I don't want to get the breath knocked out of me and sort of get knocked out. And so I'm trying to control my breathing, and and I bent over, uh, sort of in the crash position. And the last thing I remember was I heard a noise and saw a light beeping on the the console pilot and that's the last thing i remember now my father-in-law who is a a was a pilot he's passed away uh he said that that beeping noise and the light was probably as he got over cape fear and on the approach to uh, a runway, they direct, I guess, directed, they had to go over uh, the county prison camp, which had a water tower. And he was coming too close to the water tower, according to the FAA report, that he tried to pull up. Well, that stalled it. And he said, that was the buzzer and that was the light you heard, that the stall warning. And that's when it nosedived into the railroad embankment. So it nose from that point. Yeah, yeah and, and it hit going 80 some miles an hour. You, know, you look at the the speedometer that's stuck. And 
Uh, so I was asking Valentine several years later, you know, because uh, he went through so many things uh, trying to walk because, you know, his, his spine was severed along with Bob Brugger's, uh, you know, Bob wasn't as bad, but he had to have metal rods in his back to support his back that I said, I don't remember. And he's, uh, and, and John Valentine said, David, be happy that you don't remember. He said, we were the last ones they took out of the plane. He said, he thought he didn't realize that he was, his spine was severed. He thought that his legs were trapped by metal or something. He couldn't get out, you know, but he said the fuel smell and, and just everything. He just, you know, he said, we're going to burn up or something. And, but it was, I guess, uh, because of maybe my head injury, because I went through, went through the seat and hit Tim Woods in the back and cracked right along his spine, his ribs. And I was split from here to here, down, shattered several teeth up here. They were just dangling it up. But they couldn't tell because there were so many facial injuries. Uh, and uh, the concussion, and, they, and I dislocated my shoulder, and they didn't know about that until uh, they gave me crutches to leave because I broke my ankle, too. And they tried to give me crutches, but my right arm wouldn't work. And they said, oh, his shoulder's dislocated. So, you know, they gave me drugs and popped that back in, I guess. But that's, you know, and, and Tim, talking about kayfabe, Tim being the professional that he was, he left the hospital that night so nobody would know that he was there. So the <laughs> the press and st people would not get him because he, he, he had those cracked ribs, but he was he was mobile and the rest of us weren't. You know, uh, Rick had you know some back injuries. Uh, Bruggers was there, and then John. Uh, so yeah. Wow. That was something what, else. At what point did, did you know you're going to crash? Did the pilot announce it? Did anybody say anything in the plane that when you, when you no. did? I don't remember anything past seeing that light and the buzzer. I don't. Uh, well, I I mean, don't, before yeah. that, you, you said you it started to assume crash position. You're worried about yeah. you know for sure. He, no, he didn't, he, no, he didn't say anything. Just everybody knew once that left uh -huh. engine started sputtering. You know, it's you're not going to go much further. Right. You know, the only thing you wanted was to get past the water <coughs> because the Cape Fair at that time, a lot of shipping goes through there. So, you know, container ships. So it's deep water. You know, so, you, you know, you're not going to it's not crashing in shallow water. They're not going to wait out of that river. No, no. no. Yeah. So, you know, no. How um, long a recovery was it for you, David? My wife said, because there again, uh, I was a little nuts. She said it took over six months, six months before I, I she noticed that I was getting uh, some of my memory back. She still accuses me every now and then. About <laughs> <laughs> well, said, it, it, it's a convenient excuse now. Well, honey, I can't remember my head. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> 
But, so, yeah. Of course, you wasn't at the show or anything, but did the show go on that night? I don't know. Yeah, you don't remember. I, I, I don't <laughs> remember. I don't wow. know. Wow. Yeah, how, did, how did people know to come get you? Did the pilot call and say we're, we're crashing or people? Just oh, yeah, yeah. The pilot, the pilot uh, I'm sure, issued a mayday, mayday, you know, that, you know, the uh, planes, you know, I'm flying on one engine, uh, need a runway. And they directed him to that runway, which is not being used very much. You know, if we, the thing is, if he hadn't stalled, we would have landed, you know, that let's say a hundred yards or 50 yards there before a runway, you've got that dirt area. That's where we would have been. We could, we could have made it, but the stall was you go and, and we hit the railroad bank. Did the plane ever burn? You talk about Johnny no. smelled gas and all that stuff. No, never did. Never did. You had no gas in it, right? Or, or was it? Yeah. Like, well, yeah, they had fumes, but yeah, yeah, they never burned. Yeah. Never burned. No, never did. Thank goodness. Did yeah. you have yeah. much fear of getting on a plane after that? Oh, Our hell life yeah. depends on getting on planes. Right. I even to this day, but the first time, the first flight I took was from Charlotte to Raleigh. That was my test flight. And I was white knuckled the whole time. And in that time, it was a Piedmont Airlines. And uh, the flight attendant even came by and she said, uh, asked me if I was all right. And Jimmy was behind me. And, and so Jimmy explained to her because I wasn't talking. I was that was probably one of the longest flights I'd ever been on. It probably takes 30 minutes. 30 minutes. But yeah, to this day though, I can, you know, I got to the point I can fall asleep even before the plane backs up, but a smell or sound will trigger me. And I start asking questions and I'm always right. I'm always right that there is something you know, I'll say there's a smell here that's not supposed to be here, you know, or sound, you know, and, and, and I, I get pretty obnoxious about, you know, I know it, I know it's here. I know it. What, it, what is this? And I keep asking them. Finally, I get, you know, either an answer that satisfies me or there's something wrong and they need to turn around. So, Yeah. Do you ever try to explain to your fellow passengers that you're not crazy? You've been in a plane crash before that almost <laughs> killed everybody, and <laughs> so that's why you're nervous. Well, no, I told them, you know, if if the person sitting next to me is nervous, I said, don't worry. <laughs> as long as I'm here, you're not going to crash because I've already crashed. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to crash again. I said, I, you know, it's just. And we were in people, people talk about all the time this flight where we ended up landing, emergency landing in Russia. We're flying, I think, to Seoul, Korea, and Flair was on that flight. And Flair famously said, This is the worst flight I've ever been on. <laughs> Everybody's like, Oh my God. <laughs> but, but we took solace in the fact that surely Rick won't be in two plane crashes because we were coming in a bad snowstorm. And anybody who was on it will talk about that flight, about how worst flight they've ever been on. And we, we thought the same thing. We thought, no way Rick's in two plane crashes. Yeah, no way. Golly. <laughs> Too much. Hey, you know, you talk about crazy. You, you think about, you know, the, the heir apparent to Ric Flair at the time, Magnum TA, you know, that, you know, with his crash. And, and, and that hurt us. 
you know, you talk about thing that you know he was, he was gonna, wow. he was gonna, yeah, the, you know, he was down, he was down in Florida, right? Yeah, he Jared. was down there. He left Florida and went went to Carolina, matter of fact. But yeah, tell us, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, for those that don't know, Magnum T. A. Terry Allen. Young, handsome, good-looking athlete, was a state champion wrestler, could go any any way that you wanted to go, shoot style, tough style, or working style, and he had that appeal that very few people in this business have. He just had the mass appeal not only to the young ladies, but to the to their boyfriends, to the parents, because he was such a nice, outstanding young man. And Crockett's had done a fantastic job of building this guy up to superstardom, and wow, one night, tell us the story. Hey, hey, Jerry, before you before you do that, we, we sure. also have permission for Vice TV. They're about to do a, a couple episodes on Terry Allen, right? That, that is correct. Uh, I want to make sure. And, and yeah, Vice, Vice TV uh, is going to air a a special on Vice uh, about Terry Allen, Magnum TA, on Wednesday, June 6th. That's Wednesday, June 6th. And I understand uh, they're making TV. that announcement uh, as as we're speaking here, probably, and so we're we're getting a break to scoop for Vice TV, uh, yeah. John and Dave. And you know, with Terry, Terry, he the the camera loved him. You know, and, and you both of you guys understand that that if a camera doesn't like you, there's not a damn thing you can do to to. But the camera. Loved him, his persona, his speech, uh, his his face, his he was so believable. And and there again, you know the the interviews were not scripted. Everything was sort of ad lib, and he just had this way. And and you, and you look at at Terry too, the respect that he had for his parents uh, and uh, everyone. It just he was. He was. Over. He was in. No, yeah, he was over. He, he was. He over was, a, and, was the next. Whatever you want to word, do you want to put there? But right. he was the next. He was the next. He he was the the next heir apparent that could do the job for everyone. You know, I love Rick, but Rick is Rick. You know, uh, you know, Rick Flair, the Woo, uh, and. You know, Terry Allen would, you know, it would be like Jack Briscoe, you know, that uh, it's so believable, you know, that, you know, you here is an, you know, an athlete that sort of like Mr. America in, in a lot that, you know, uh, home apple pie and everything. Yeah, everything. And the all American boys, they say. Yeah. And, and, you know, for, for him, you know, to to have that accident and and what it was, he had a a new Porsche uh, that he'd never had before. Going down Randolph Road here in Charlotte, it was wet, and he wasn't used to all that power in the back. Remember the uh, right. Porsches, and that sucker took off like a rocket, and he basically wrapped himself around a tree in the air. Now think about that. Terry shouldn't be with us. Terry should not be with us. He was in the hospital. He couldn't move a muscle. He was basically paralyzed from the neck down. Slowly but surely, 
finger, inch by inch, you know, uh, and even today, you know, he has that personal personnel mover that, that right. you, you see. Segway, uh, council belt segway. Yeah, and he's a great businessman. You know, he has a great business going with cell towers. Uh, and he had not let that injury get in his way, you know, of, of life. And he, he's become very successful outside of our business with the handicap as, as he is. The guy's a remarkable yeah. person. And yes, I, I'm is. so glad I understand that you're 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 really featured in this thing honoring Terry and and it's unlike a lot of these other Vice CVs. It, it's an it's an honoring Terry and telling them what kind of fantastic this person is, uh, Terry Allen. Yeah. yeah, it's not the dark side. There, yeah. they, you know, and the only dark side would be the accent. Yeah, uh, of uh, Terry and you know, if I I think I encourage people to to watch it yeah, to 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 see what could have been. You know, it's like, God, can you imagine? And all Somebody, we can use is, is our imagination on what could have been. But those of yeah. us inside that knew Terry, we could visualize that so clear. I mean, this guy was the the guy the, the guy yeah. that come along next to to be the man, the chosen I mean, one. Yeah, over six feet tall. Yeah, yeah uh, just yeah, had the look, had had had, had, had everything, the everything yeah. you need. I mean, David is a bit of a in a cultural change kind of going on at the same time. You know, no longer did the the guy that was the hero wore a black hat. You know, Rambo came out, who was kind of that dark type anti-hero that came out. Right. Terry was kind of that anti-hero that one of the first kind of he was stone cold before stone cold. Is that that, that, that you know a good way to say it? Yeah, that that is a good uh, a good analogy because I look at Terry. Uh, prime example, okay, that we used to work with the Tunnies up in Canada, and we did some matches for them, uh, I think in Detroit or somewhere, and then in Montreal. Northern people don't like babyface. Dusty Rhodes was up there. They booed him. <laughs> you know, here's the babyface, Dusty Rhodes. Boo it. They booed the hell out. They want tough guys. They want, they want the all-American guy, and Magnum was it. You know, they, you know, they, he could back it up. He, you know, he, he didn't strut. He, he walked to the ring like John Wayne, I guess would be a, a good yeah. example. You know, yeah, he was, right, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and, and, you know, it's, yeah, I, I wish, you know, that people had, you know, if you saw him wrestle, then, then you wouldn't forget it. You know, well, I, I suggest it. people go on, go on, get on YouTube and go back and watch some of his matches on YouTube. Yeah. Just see how fluid this guy was. See how synced he was with everything going on in the audience. Yeah, we matter of fact, you now with WCW and, and Turner, we were hoping Goldberg uh, at one point would have that. But, you know, we were afraid of what he would say. Uh, you know, we didn't know, you know, he had the physique, so to speak, but we didn't know if he his voice was going to be mousy or his vocabulary was going to kill him, you know, or or what. So those quick matches, you know, and out that that thirty seconds, you know, was you know we did that for a month, you know, and you know, uh, 
it, you know, and it, it sort of worked, but didn't work. You know, he's not a Magnum TA. No, no, no. Uh, even, even now, Terry can cut you an interview. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, David, when, when is this going to air on Vice? Uh, it's going to air Wednesday, June 6th on Vice TV. And uh, really, that's that's Wednesday, June 6th. Uh, I I don't get anything out of this, fans. Just want to let you know, I I just I did it because I I respect Terry. I think I know that he deserves it. He deserves, you know, all the accolades that we can give him. Uh, it's you know, it's you know, watch it and you'll you'll like it. After after Terry got out of the, the life-threatening stage of, of his, his accident there, I told my wife I got to drive to North Carolina because he had just left here. He had just left Florida. And Terry, John knows the story. We had that old King of We're Lucky or something like that didn't happen before. We had a King of the Road T-shirt, which Terry still has a T-shirt today, drinking, drinking, and without throwing up, saying who can drink the most. Terry... Terry won the shirt. We retired the shirt with Terry. So I had to, I had to get my car. Do you I see a trend this. here, David? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Briscoe is involved as the bad influence in many, many different groups. Of course. Many of different course. generations. <laughs> well, right, Terry won them all with a bad influence on. He turned out all right. But anyway, I drove to Charlotte just so I could sit there and see Terry and, 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 and you know, just tell him how, how, how I was happy that, that he survived that accident. But what a great guy. Still is today. Just an outstanding guy. As you said earlier, when we started talking about that, he's never once let the accident take advantage of him. No. He's overcome it every time. What a man he is. So please tune in to, to Vice TV on June the 6th. Jerry, when people ask me, uh, who would I like to have wrestled that I didn't? Uh, Magnum TA is always number one, but that That's guy so was so freaking good. I mean, I would have loved yeah. to have been the, the old chicken shit heel wrestling the big tough yeah. guy in Magnum TA. That, well, that been- he was snug. I can tell you that. Uh, yeah. He was snug. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. He, yeah, no, there was, there was, yeah, he was definitely snug. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you have something else coming up here, David. We, we got yeah. it. It's, it's, it's named after the patriarch of your family there, and really the patriarch of Mid Atlantic Racing there. And, and, uh, that's right. That's and the we're NWA. all proud of there. Tell us, tell us a little bit about about what you got coming up here soon. All right, coming up uh, Saturday, June third, uh, in Winston Salem, we have the Jim Crockett Cup. Think about that. We wow. started that. Remember in New Orleans? Yeah. We started. Go, man, what a party that was. <laughs> There'll be <laughs> there again. Do you Jerry see a trend was... here? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, with Crockett, Crockett, <laughs> the event is the event. Yeah. Oh, what a great event. It's what a great party. What a great yeah. and John, uh, John, I gotta tell you, these guys hosted some of the greatest post parties, a big show that you ever <laughs> ever ever been to in your life. Man. Hey, the Crockett oh, plane is one of the most legendary modes of transportation ever. That's what they <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah, that's the hell on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's Saturday and Sunday, so that's June June third and fourth uh, in Winston Salem at the fairgrounds. Uh, Jim Crockett Cup. You're going to see the 
Shrimp, uh, shrimp, I can't even say it now. <laughs> it got me going. I've been drinking. No. She put her Luke, no. Bobby Fulton, Ricky Morton, uh, Ronnie Garvin. Oh, man. Jimmy Garvin, Tully Blanchard. Wow. And uh, Tommy Young is going to be there Sunday. Wow. Uh, yeah. Bobby Fulton mentioned that. And then Baby Doll. All Baby right. Doll. No yeah. mention of Briscoe. Man, I can't believe you're having a crock cup without a Briscoe. Yeah, I know it. That's you know, that's a shame. You ought to come up. You ought to come up. You know, and and there again, this is this is not this is not my promotion. This yeah. you know, NWA promotion. Huh? Yeah, NWA. You promotion. are you are Mr. NWA, though, David. Well, <laughs> you know, I I'd like to see these guys. You know, they 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 wrestle like we used to wrestle, Jerry, uh, and that you know it's. It's a fast pace, snug. Yeah. Uh, it's you know, uh, yeah. it's it's not it's not lucha libre. You know, uh, we're not spending ninety percent of our time in the air. Yeah. Uh, it, it's good, solid wrestling. Well, we've uh, had, we've had their champion on here. We've had Titus on, and we've had Billy Billy Corrigan on, and what an outlook yeah. he has toward oh, the best. I was, was so impressed. A, such a pleasure to have Billy Corrigan on. He was that, yes, uh, big fan of that guy's. Yeah, I, and I look forward to to seeing Billy. I think he's been uh, in Australia. You know, he he also still works in car, concerts. So, you know, he was he was over there. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him. You know, matter of fact, it's uh, this weekend. Wow. Yeah. Uh, third and fourth. I think I better get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'll be there signing autographs and kissing babies. I'm not going to run for any office, but uh, you know, uh, I I I look forward to seeing fans and, and thanking them. But you know, because for so long, you know, after the the sale to Turner, I I thought that you know we totally screwed up. That you know, it was a death in the family to me. Uh, matter of fact, with the Turner thing, I have to tell you guys, and I haven't told anyone else, Jimmy and I did not talk to each other for four years wow. because of that. Think about it. Four years. Four years. Wow. Four years. You I, guys were so tied, too. Man. Yeah. That's hard to believe. But one day, you know, it was. How, how, did, that come, how did that come about? I mean, that, Jimmy, Jimmy made his deal with the Turner people. And then he what do you mean turned, Jimmy made his deal with uh, well, what the, they gave Jimmy a million bucks. Okay. Uh contract, you know, for five years, a million bucks. And he said, You guys make your own. And so I was, you know, I was gonna take the company chapter eleven. I was bound and determined. Then, you know, you mentioned earlier my mother. And uh, she said, David, you can't do that. I, and so I, it's strange, you know, I, I finally gave in, but look, I was the one that survived. Yeah. Uh, I was the one uh, at Turner, the sort of the Mikey, give it to Mikey, you'll make it work. Uh, you know, I had to deal with Jim Hurd, Jack Petrick. Uh, a bunch of people that didn't know their ass from a hole in the ground. All the people that were, you know, the the backstabbers. You know, you go into meeting, they've already decided 
who they're going to blame before you walk in and, and have meetings to have meetings until uh, Bill Shaw, who was head of HR. You know, uh, no one. All right. Back it up. No one. Ted bought us. That was Ted's idea. And Jerry Hogan was Ted's guy. Well, something happened and Jerry Hogan left. And he went to Home Shopping Network and he's never looked back. He just made jobs. All right. But he goes to the, Ted goes to the board of directors and say, all right, who's going to take this company? I just bought. Nobody wanted it. Nobody. Nobody wanted it. So he made Jack Petrick because he was sort of getting ready to retire anyway. And then Jack Petrick got Jim Hurd, who used to promote or uh, direct hockey, I think it was, or something. He was uh, a buddy of uh, Petrick's, and, and he came in and tried to rule it like a, a drill sergeant. Well, you know, that's not going to work with wrestlers. That is not going to work. So he left, and then, you know, we went through everything from uh, – Golly, too many, too many, too many people, too many people with agendas. And the people at Turner never liked us, but we got to the point, at least I did, and the people who worked with me, was we were very proud to be hated by them. We were Ted's redheaded stepchildren and proud of it because none of the programs that they were doing could touch us as far as ratings, you know, we were the uh, first ones to go digital, you know, at the Turner uh, network, you know, which pissed everybody off. All the vendors that worked for me, I never signed a contract going back to my debt. I said, as long as you do a good job, you're fine. If you don't, you're gone. If you can live with that. Okay. And I made a lot of people money uh, that way. Uh, and, uh, that was all right, you know, it, but I knew I could count on them so I could go handle something else, you know, uh, so, yeah, and I remember Eric, you talking about Eric, when he first came in, uh, we were in Corpus Christi, Texas, and I was, uh, I was in charge of everything at that time, you know, the transportation, the lighting, sound, that, that, and I'm doing all this, this guy comes walking in, and, you know, I'm Eric Bischoff, and I'm here to uh, do the 900 line. Oh, well, go stand over there and I'll get to you in a minute. <laughs> yeah. But then uh, when uh, Jim, uh, Bill Shaw wanted to uh, make a change, I can't remember if it was uh, Bill Watts, you know, with the, uh, when he brought a gun to TBS that finally put a nail in his coffin. Yeah, but, yeah. uh, uh, Bill was looking for uh, someone, and I put my name in the hat, and he had a conversation, and he said, David, we can't do this. I said, why? He said, what is your last name? I said, Crockett. He said, that's why we can't do it. You know, he said, but I've got this young man, Eric Bischoff. He's got a lot of good ideas, and I want you to protect him. I want you to be you know, his shield and help him in any way. And I can show you the scars on my back from the knives. <laughs> oh, uh, and, and, you know, and, you know, I totally respect, respect Eric. You know, it, it, he is totally different from the, from the first day I met him. Yeah. 
from from the man he is today uh, and the the man that he was then. Yeah, it was something else. Yeah, and David, what do you think really the tipping point was Turner was? I mean, you guys were doing you're doing great in ratings and everything, but what was it just a stepchild as you described it that they looked at it as and it didn't didn't have any respect for the product? Do you think that's why it went went by the wayside with them? Well, with Bill Shaw there, they had the respect because Bill was an original Turner guy. You know, he was the one that's one of the ones that started with Ted. And he was there until the Time Warner merger. And then he left to manage Ted's properties. Uh, after that, uh, Harvey Schiller came in, and Harvey could care less about us. You know, he said, as long as we make money. He'll, he, but there again, then talent started. You know, uh, Eric and Hogan, you know, and, you know, it was, I, I think, a undue influence. You know, I might get a lot of shit for this, but... Uh, it, undue influence of, of Hogan on Eric in some ways. Uh, there were a lot of things that they were, they were so afraid of the, the dirt sheets that they would not tell us until they get to the building what they're going to do that night. Think about the shows that you've had with Vince. Can you imagine not telling anyone any wrestlers, anybody, any agents, what's going to happen until you get to the building? You know, and how do you prepare for it? How do you, the videos and, you know, it just, you know, and it, it, you know, I ended up having 13 tractor trailers on the road, just uh, what if, you know, you know, I was in Canada and when we had a show up there and they said, I want an ambulance. Well, no ambulance up there would do it because, you know, it's sort of a, a government thing up there. So I had to buy one, you know, <laughs> I'm glad I had a company, American Express. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do with it after you bought it? I gave it back to him. <laughs> we, we weren't going to use it. You know, it, you know, it's sort of, you know, and they, they, they gave me a little money back, but not much, you know, but it, you know, it, copy machines, I phone lines, you know, the phone company never got it right. So you always pay to have, person from the phone company there and another person from the copy company to make sure the copying machines that they bring, you know, cause at that time you couldn't move them down the road because shaking a copying machine was not like shaking a copy machine today. They weren't durable. So yeah. Catering, you know, that, mm, you know, hotels, travel, all that sound pyrotechnics. You know, I just, I did it. Yeah, you did it all, my friend. And wow, did you do it? And you did it well, too. I mean, that's the thing, you know, the Crockett family, as we open this show up, what what a fantastic family, man, that goes back to generation after generation. But every, 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 every one that you mentioned always had the utmost respect from the most important thing of the talent. And from the talent, the fans out there, they knew if it was a Crockett show, they were going to get their money's worth. And oh, yes. I, I go back, like I said, 50 years with you, man. And I was always proud to say that I worked for Jim Crockett Sr. and Jr. and the entire Crockett family. And I, I don't have anything bad to say about you guys, man, ever. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And the thing, the thing I, you know, I, believe it or not, I, I remember uh, in Button South Padre, 
No, that's Texas. Uh, there in Florida, uh, when you got you came down with Sean to take over. Do you yeah. remember that night? Uh, it was like I so saw you walk in. I said, "Oh, he's got that look. He's expecting us to, to, to do something wrong." I said, "No, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to go out with class." Yeah. But yeah. I, but then too, you know, I knew that was a point. Panama City, wasn't it? Yeah, Panama City. Yeah. I, I I knew two week two two years before, at least two to three years before it was going to happen because we were killing ourselves there. Talent was at one point, Jerry, think about it. We had $18 million worth of talent, not wrestling because they said they were hurt. You and I both know a lot of that was BS. Some of it. Yeah. A lot of it. No, no. And I I, I had guys show up in my body shop. I said, aren't you working? He said, man, I had worked in six months. They're paying me $350,000 set at home. Yep. I said, what? How do you get one of those jobs? <laughs> yeah, and you know, you know, at one point, I, you know, after all that, I thought, I said, maybe I'd like to work for Vince. <laughs> but the, but you're the guys that came the next day to Atlanta to our office building, you know, to you know, they shut all the phones off. They had the, the guards there to check you and what you were taking out of the building. Uh they saw it. They, they had a meeting in the training facility of uh, Jody Hamilton there at the building. And uh, they basically said, eh, none of you guys are going to get a job with us, which was a, a shame because there were some, so many young, talented people uh, that, you know, uh, not just, this was more production people. Right. It was, you know, that, that, you know, the, a lot of those people did end up with us, so fortunately, because Good. they were they were some extremely talented people working for you guys. Yeah, yeah. And you put them together. You put most of them together. Hell, you're the man responsible for them, Tony Schiavone. As a word, I said my Oh me, yeah, Tony. Tony was something else. Tony, yeah, uh, yeah. He was doing. Matter of fact, Francis had a single A baseball team. In Greensboro, and Tony right. was doing the announcing for the baseball team, yeah. and so uh, we needed another announcer. And I saw, saw Tony. I said, "Well, Francis really was pissed about that." I remember he was, he was doing announcing for that uh, class, class A or whatever minor league baseball team, but he also had a, like a real low profile FM station that the guys, when the guys would go through Greensboro. He had such a good relationship. He always had like Jack and I or, or, or Roddy or somebody give him a call as we we're passing through the, the town there and he yeah. plugged the shows and everything. So that's basically where he, where he got his, his hookup from. You know, and look at him today, you know, I, I am so happy for him because, you know, at one point he was working at Starbucks right. to make, to make a living, you know, uh, after all that. So you know, it, he's he's tough part. Well, hell, yeah. hell, hell! My partner there worked for your brother at an ice cream soda jerk and take down <laughs> to get a job wrestling. Look at him now, man. Yeah, I did work for your brother. I, for those that don't know, when when your brother opened back up and brought the NWA to Texas, I worked for your brother for quite a while. He tagged me up with Dick Murdoch. I had a wonderful time. Your brother, ah, that that's a, yeah, that's an experience. Yeah, hey, you Dick think? Murdoch. Oh, what what? <laughs> you think? Think, think think Dick drank a, a few beers? 
You think he drinks beer? <laughs> oh my God. I'd have to hand him beers driving down the road and he is throwing every one, every other one out the window. I couldn't figure yep. out why it's because I wasn't handing the mouth of the beer can to him. Uh, and he'd taken his throat out the window. He wouldn't let me talk. It, it was it was awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yo, Dave, Dave, that's a great thing about yours and mine and John. We, we've run up with against so many great characters that you know the outside world really wouldn't realize what kind of characters these guys are. Even though they see them on TV, man, they're so different person, man. You know, we're really fortunate to have to have the the, the the Rolodex that we had with friends. Oh yeah, they, you know, most people wouldn't. If there were, I know people have tried to to make movies about wrestling, but if you really try to make a movie about the wrestling and the, our characters that that we we've had and seen over the years, uh, they think it was fiction. You know, <laughs> I mean, really, I just yeah, yeah. But so you're telling you're trying to tell some of your friends outside this business, you know, about a typical road story. And they usually sit there, they just shake their head. Ain't no way that could happen. They, don't believe no you. Yeah. They, literally, they literally don't believe you. They look at you can tell when you're looking at them. They 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 don't believe what you're telling them. Yeah. This, is, this is actually a very mild story <laughs> to what happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, David, God. David, we sure appreciate you coming on here June 6th on Vice TV. Uh, David Crockett, you'll find David, and I'm sure there's some great uh, articulated stories about Magnum TX, about the life of time. A Magnum TA, the tragic accident that he went through, this major superstar in our business. So tune that in. And also, don't forget to, this weekend, we were, we will drop on tomorrow morning uh, uh, for this episode here. So listen to your show. Listen to it. You're up in the Carolina area, or you you, you got what a pay per view capabilities? Too for this uh, pay per view is gonna it's gonna be on uh, Fight TV. Pay per view. Yeah the 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 matches Saturday and Sunday. Well. For the Jim Crockett Cup. What we'll year Crockett fun. Cup is this? Oh, now you're asking me. <laughs> um, anyway, the Crockett well, Cup on Fight TV. If you're in the Carolina area, get up to Winston-Salem, one of the greatest places in the entire land for professional wrestling, one of the hotbeds that go back years and years and years, even before my time there. So, so check it out and drop by and say, David, hello. And I think, David, I'm going to see you. Somewhere down the road at the gathering or something like that coming up in the Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah. You got to buy right. me a beer. <laughs> I definitely do. I'll definitely do that. All right, Jerry. John, it's good to see you guys. Good to talk with you. 